Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Smith. No matter what goal you're working towards, I hope to show you that chasing health does not have to be a difficult or scary ordeal. Join me and my guests as we talk about all things related to becoming a best version of yourself, whether that's through nutrition, fitness, mindset, or life topics in general, we've got you covered. All right, let's not waste any more time and dive right into the show. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Coaches Roundtable. Hope you guys are doing well. Back with Brevin and Chris. What's up, guys? What up? What up? So we have some really, really good questions today. I'm excited to dive into these. Yeah, keep asking um, questions. Yes. No, seriously. Like, we, I don't even know if we'll get through all of them today. We'll, we'll try our best, but um, keep the questions coming. We love these guys. Um, and the the first, we're going to say that, Brevin? I was just going to make funny. I was going to say, even if Chase decides not to answer him for a month, yes shout out to jillian we'll get to your question in a moment um definitely did not get notified like i normally do with that so i went to i got notified for another one and i went to pull up i was like oh there's two in here where's this other one from and i was like oh jillian asked us a month ago oops i'm sorry my bad (laughs) um so that said let's dive right in the first two questions are kind of very on similar topics about motivation so i'm gonna read both of them Number one was, I'm never motivated to work out. I feel like I have to force myself to go. Any tips that would help with that? And then secondly, when you live alone and have no one supporting you at home, what do you keep to do? What do you do to keep your mind motivated? Brevin, let's talk about motivation. I love this topic. You know that TikTok? It's like, oh my gosh, I love this question. No, I don't. I watch too much TikTok apparently. Forget me. I'm the, I'm, I'm the worst. Like, Brevin's always like, see the TikTok? I'm like, no. But it's so weird. I'm sorry. I go on a totally like, different tangent here. Um, but I feel like the algorithms are so crazy because like, there's so many things that yeah. I'll ask you about. And you're like, I've never seen that. I'm like, what? I see it all the time. <laughs> well, Brittany sends me these ones all the time. So that's where I, I get it is when we were at Lost Lens. It was referenced like 30 times, I swear. <laughs> um, nice. But back to motivation. <laughs> um, I have... Two things I want to touch on here. Number one is, what is your why? Why are you doing this? What are you getting? Um, I always like to ask this question is like, what do you get on the other side of reaching your goals? Or another way to phrase that is like, what is it costing you in your life to be stuck where you're at right now, physically, mentally, emotionally? You can take this, this why question into any goal you have. It doesn't even just have to be fitness, but like, why? What is it? What is the reason behind what you're doing right now? And you have one. And, and sometimes it gets really fucking uncomfortable to get deep and understand your why. And, and some of the best whys I've ever heard have things to do with like family. I want to be alive in 10 years to play with my grandkids. I'm, I'm having a kid. I want to be able to get on the floor and play with them. I want to not have diabetes. I want to not be at risk of literally dying. Um, it doesn't have to be that, but figure out what your why is. We all have one. So ask yourself that literally write that question down, take some time to think about it and write it. And it can continue to change over time. It doesn't have to be the same why. The why why I started my fitness journey isn't the same why that I continue with right now. It's continued to evolve. Number two is great. You shouldn't feel motivated all the time because that's false and fake and it's not real. You can watch the YouTube videos of people yelling at you and be super motivated <laughs> for like 10 seconds. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, fuck, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> um, but you don't wake up motivated to brush your teeth. You don't wake up motivated to feed your kids, but you have to. It's literally the law. You don't wake up motivated to do a lot of things in your life, like go to work. But you have to so you can pay for the roof over your head. 
but we do these things because we know we have to. They're part of the 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 way to get us to that that goal that we have. Um, so I think if we go into health and fitness, and this is the only space that I really see this happen, is is you let motivation be the excuse to not do something. If you go in there with the expectation, I'm going to wake up every day and feel motivated to go to the gym. Nope. I'm going to wake up every day motivated to eat this meal prep that I have. Nope. It's not going to happen. I don't wake up motivated every day to go to the gym. This is literally my job, my hobby, the sport that I do. Like this is <laughs> literally my entire life. And there is 0% chance I wake up motivated every day. I'm so sore today. I don't want to go to the gym today, but I'm going to because I'm just going to go do the thing that I know I have to do. So if you go with that expectation that you're not going to wake up motivated every day, great. The day you wake up motivated, you're like, okay, I expected that. But if you go in expecting it, when you wake up and you're not motivated, you're like, oh, well, there's my excuse to quit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm probably motivated about like 0.3% of the time to go to the gym. <laughs> like I haven't been motivated to go to the gym in like four years. So um, it, I just, I think like for actionable steps moving forward, I, I completely agree with Brevin. It, it starts out with like, what is your why? And don't just say like, well, I want to lose weight. The people that when I'm like talking to somebody and their why is like, I want to drop this weight because I have a wedding coming up. Those are like the worst clients to work with, to be honest. But the best clients to work with are the ones that I've experienced where it's like, it's a deeper level, like you said. Um, but I think it's also important to stay motivated is to break everything into smaller steps. Okay. Like if you have a very large like daunting task ahead of you or a journey ahead of you, it is going to be demotivating. Like you're just mm -hmm. not going to be motivated because when you possibly, like when you look in the mirror or you step on the scale, like that number's not dropping as, as you know, fast as you want or the transformation's not happening as fast as you want, you need to break things down into smaller goals, just more manageable steps. Um, and then I think it's also important to like have like clear and specific goals. Okay. Like, have a very clear understanding of what you want out of this. I just discussed this on a live on Tuesday about like, you know, when you're hitting your restart button, like it starts to like have a, a vision in mind of what, where you want to be in like 10, 20, 30 years and like start to implement tasks and implement habits that is going to take you to be that person when you are, you know, 90 years old. And if it's like, you just want to get off the toilet or get down and play with your grandkids, like, Whatever that is, like, why are you doing these things? What is the life you want to live? And then start to take actionable small steps towards that. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, just like you guys said, I mean, it's really comes down to like peeling back the layers of the onion, like figuring out like why, why all this is so important to you, right? And it's probably like, I always say like, ask why five times, keep going deeper and deeper and deeper with that why, because there's probably a deeper reason as to why you want to lose weight. Oh, you want to lose weight because you want to look good in a bathing suit. Okay, great. Why do you want to look good in a, bath good in a bathing suit? want to feel more confident. Okay, well, why do you want to feel more confident? Oh, because I want my kids to realize that they have a confident mom, so they'll be confident themselves. Okay, now we're getting somewhere, right? Like, take that next to a deeper level. And, you know, to also piggyback off something Brevin mentioned about, you know, there's motivation seems like, like you had said, Brevin, a lot of people just use this for like this space, like the fitness space, where it's like, you're, I doubt any of us are really motivated to pay our electricity bill. I doubt anyone's motivated to work their job. Right. But we both know if you don't work, you don't get money. If you don't pay your electricity bill, you get the lights cut off. Right. So, like, all these things happen. So, actions have consequences, whether they're positive or negative consequences. So, you have to realize that, like, 
You can you have a choice, right? Like nobody's making you do any of those things. Nobody's making you lose weight. But once you start taking ownership of those decisions and realizing like I have a choice to do those things, then that's when the power is back in your hands and you can do with what you want with that. I love that. I also want to touch on one thing that Chris said. He talked about like breaking things into smaller pieces, and I love that. Um, and this is where we can talk about like outcome-focused goals and process-focused goals and changing your identity. Um, right now, you're identifying as someone who's never motivated, doesn't want to do this, and continues to struggle. Well, we have these process or these outcome-focused goals. Like that's our long-term goal. I want to lose weight. I want to accomplish this. Cool. It gives you a direction. But now we have to look at the process. We can look at the daily habits that are going to get us there, and that gives you a small daily task every day to start to check those boxes. And it becomes really motivating to check that box every day and be like, yes, I'm doing the shit that I know I need to do to get to that pro or that outcome focused goal. And, and it starts to feel really good to be like, yep, check the box today. Yep. Check the box. Yep. Check the box. And you continue to check those boxes and you're eventually going to get there. But if you only focus on, well, I want to lose 40 pounds, well, then you're going to struggle. Mm -hmm. okay. Yep. Absolutely. Chris, what is number three? All right, number three. We have um, from Jillian uh, from a month ago. Um, <laughs> the long lost question. <laughs> when trying to bring up a legging muscle group, specifically biceps, I heard you should start the workout with that muscle group to pre-fatigue it. Would this mean that is the only point in the workout where I do my isolated bicep exercise or would I also do them at the end with other programmed isolations as well like normal? Love the podcast. Thank you so much. I hope you still love the podcast after we wait <laughs> in. Chase, come on. <laughs> promise I'm not just holding that question. Um, and it, the, the bad thing was, it's probably like, we probably got to answer that the week we talked about all the fitness questions. But <laughs> anyways, um, you know, this is something where like, and, I, and I'll be completely honest, and I'm, Revan, I'm sure you probably know a little more about like the pre-fatiguing piece, but I, I, I still think, you know, when it comes to, these movements, like if you're trying to bring up those movements, I still would focus on like the compounding movements first, because I feel like with the smaller muscle, you're going to be you're still able to target that more towards the end of your workout when it's more of an isolated bicep exercise. I don't necessarily think you should start with the bicep exercise because then it's going to be the limiting factor for all your other muscle groups as well when you're doing those movements. Um, but that's that's my first kind of inkling the thought. Um, anything else you would like? What are your thoughts on that, Brevin? So I would actually take the the opposite approach to that. Um, now I, I don't think pre fatiguing is a good option if your goal is hypertrophy. Um, I, I just I think that's something that's way overplayed. Um, but if you have been, and, and this is where we get to talk about like volume, and we get to talk about direct and indirect volume. Right now, if you're doing let's say eight sets per week for biceps, but you're doing them at the end of your workout, yes, you're getting indirect volume anytime you do a pulling motion, but. Mm -hmm. If that right there isn't getting you the stimulus that you want to, well, by the time you get to, you've done three or four back exercises or upper body exercises or however your split is, by the time you get to biceps, you're mentally checked out of the gym already. You're tired. You're not giving as much effort to those. So if that is something that you want to build, um, and it's funny, I was just having a conversation about biceps with someone this week. If you have a muscle group that is lagging behind that you really want to focus on, I say put it at the front because then you're giving the most amount of effort to it. And 
yes, you might pre-fatigue your, your biceps a little bit for any pulling motion, but you can throw straps on and it's going to save that, that bicep anyways. Um, but then you're going to give the most amount of effort to the, that bicep, the muscle group you're actually looking to, to grow, or you can change your split up a little bit and have a day where you prioritize biceps and maybe have it on a different day than your bicep or than your back so that you're not having that crossover effect. But at the end of the day, um, your biceps are such a small muscle group that, uh, even doing them first, isn't going to seriously negatively impact your back training. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a client that was like, you know, man, I really want to focus on, and, you know, summer's coming. He was like, I really want to work, work on my chest and my shoulders and my arms. And um, so, like, I just created a whole workout for him on a different day, specifically for those muscle groups. Um, so I liked what you said there is like, maybe you just start to single that muscle group out. Or maybe like you look at your current program and you're like, okay, I'm only doing eight sets of bicep, you know, exercises that week throwing it, throwing an extra exercise for a while, like understand that this, you know, if we're playing the long game here, like that will actually compound for a lot over time. Don't I'm like, even just throwing an extra, extra four sets, right. Uh, a week mm-hmm. over time will help that quite a bit. So, um, you can change up your program. You can throw in another day. Like Brevin said, um, you can front load that exercise. I think all of those are really just good points. And this is where like programming is like an art, like there's not, there's underlying principles that have to be followed when you're programming, but there's so many different ways that you can do it. And again, we talk about direct and indirect volume right now. You're getting a lot of indirect volume probably from your, your, uh, your back training, but maybe your direct volume is a little bit lower. So maybe we increase your direct volume. Um, so like maybe you're doing two exercises a week, four sets, and you're getting eight sets. Maybe we bump that up to 12 and see how that works for a block. And maybe maybe if that's not working, then we look at intensity and train harder. Um, if you're not training close to failure on those exercises um, and moving them to the front, then, then there's so many different avenues that we can look at here. And that's the cool thing about programming is there's just not one way to do it. Yep. Cool. All right, Brevin, what is number four? When you're on a weight loss journey, how do you determine how much weight you should actually lose to not be overweight anymore? BMI calculator, something else. Love this question. Yeah, I do as well. Go ahead, Chris. Um, I was going to say, Chase, if you love it so much, um, go ahead. Hey, honestly, I like this question but um, because I think a lot of people, they go into their doctor, right? And it's like, doctor says I'm overweight. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, come on. Like, I, when I was in the military, I had to get taped. They told me I was overweight. And I'm like, those standards like, are wild. Yeah. Right. I'm like, I'm 185 pounds. I'm five, nine. So I can only be 172 or something like that. Um, so don't go off of like your doctor's calculator and all of that. I, I just hate that. Um, honestly, it goes off your health. Like that's the way I, I view it. Um, obviously I'm not sitting here saying if you have excess body fat, let's work on that body composition and things like that for health purposes, but it really goes down to like, what are you happy with? Um, like when you look in the mirror, like, Hey, I want to lose a little bit of weight, lose a little bit of weight. Um, what, whatever you want, I believe out of that. Um, that's why I think like when I'm talking to somebody and they ask me like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, this isn't me. Like, you know, like, what do you want out of this? Um, you just need to determine like where you feel your best at. And then obviously like your blood work is everything coming back. Your levels are all good for your cholesterol and all those kind of things. 
I think that's kind of the, the way I view it as a health coach. Yeah. And it's something where I, yeah, the BMI calculators are so far off nowadays and it just, it really does just kind of grind my gears when people are like, Oh, well, I just want to get out of the overweight category. I'm like, but you've put on so much muscle and it doesn't take that into consideration your body composition, right? Like I bet if you look at some of like the leanest people up on like bodybuilding stages or powerlifting, do you put like Chris Bumstead up there? He's obese. Exactly. I mean, like you, you put them in the comparison, like it just does not, it's such an old method of way of looking at it. Now, granted, don't get me wrong. I, I, I don't put weight into that, but I do think it is important to, it can be a, some sort of like gauge of like where you're probably at. Like obviously from like a body competition standard, like looking at, like if you, if you look at somebody and the BMI, like then that might give you a little more context versus like just looking at somebody's BMI. Like you could look at Chris Bumstead's BMI. It's going to say he's obese, but like if you actually look at him, you're like, Oh, you're far from obese. Like not, not an inch of it. Um, but I think it's important to, also, like, you know, Chris and I talked about in the past week, we always ask clients, obviously, like, you know, do you have a goal in mind when you're trying to lose weight? And, you know, a lot of clients will say, well, you know, I have like this number or some will say, I, I really, it's not about the weight law or the number on the scale. I just want to feel better. I want to look better. And that's the most amazing part. And I think it's also important, like, if you go into this with a weight loss goal, don't tie yourself to that number either. Because, you know, and I've, I've had clients be like, well, if I get down to this number, I'm no longer in the overweight category. And I'm like, but like, how do you feel? Like, are you saying that if you get within five pounds of that goal and you feel like a rock star, but I'm still technically overweight, I'm just not, it's not good enough. Then that's something we probably need to work through and figure out like, why are we holding ourselves to that number? What does that number really indicate and mean? I've been actually having this conversation with a lot of clients recently about like getting themselves away from tying themselves to a number and going based off of how you feel, how do you look? Because I can guarantee you a lot of times those last five pounds or so are going to be the most miserable to get off and you're not going to really want to. It's not going to be worth, the juice is not going to be worth the squeeze at the end of the day with that. Yeah, this is where we need to look at the biopsychosocial model. Like we, we look at biology, we look at your health, we look at the uh, psychological perspective and we look at the social perspective of all of this. Like maybe socially, you want to lose 20 pounds to feel better at the beach. Biologically, you don't necessarily have to, you're in a healthy spot. Uh, but psychologically, you would feel a little bit better. So like, we get to use all of those things, um, which I think is really cool. And you guys touched on pretty much everything here. Um, I, I do like that. Ask those questions, figure out like, what direction do you want to go? And again, this is where we go back to again, process versus outcome. Like we know what direction we want to go. We know we want to lose weight but we don't need to attach it to a specific number. As long as we're doing these daily habits, we're, we're checking these boxes, we're moving in the right direction. Maybe you thought you wanted to lose 40, but you get down to 30 and you're like, yeah, I feel really great. Like you said, the juice just isn't worth the squeeze at that point. Or maybe it is for you. You get to determine that. No one else gets to determine that or tell you that like, well, you need to lose 20 pounds. Like why? Yeah, I, I love when a client like, you know, let's just I, random numbers here. But let's say a client's like, I, you know, I want to get on to 175 and maybe they're starting at like 225 and we're losing weight, losing weight. And then we get to like maybe like 180 or 185. And they're like, you know what? I actually feel really, really good here. Actually, I, I have a client that's exactly like that. Um, Chris, I'm not sure if you're thinking of the pers person I am, but she's recently like she's getting ready to graduate from our program. And she had an initial weight loss goal. And she's like, if I get there someday, like sure, maybe, but she's like, I feel the best I've ever felt. My relationship with food is so much better. Like I'm such a better headspace mentally and I physically feel amazing. Like really, I don't feel like I need to go any further right now at this moment. 
And I think that in itself is a win just because realizing that like those goals can and more, more than likely will shift over time. Yeah. Well, I mean, the number I started with on my fitness journey, like it is different than what I ended at. I, mm-hmm. I was like, I want to get down to this number. And then I got to a specific point. I was like, you know, I'm actually really happy here. I have, I have different goals now. Like I want to focus on building muscle. I don't want to just continue to focus on fat loss anymore. So yeah, your, your goals will continue to evolve. Yeah. We see it all a lot. Like when I ask a client, like, well, what's your, you know, what's your goal? I was like, well, I was this, I was this weight when I graduated high school. <laughs> like, oh, wait a second. Um, great. Awesome. I'm sure that like, we could do that, but I'm sure you're probably going to get to a certain weight before that. And you're going to love the way you look. And you're also going to love, you know, Chase, you were mentioning is like, you know, you might get to a certain point. You also might get to a certain point where you enjoy the food freedom. And you're going to realize like you're going to have to be a lot more restricted to get down that maybe that extra 10 pounds or five pounds that you want to lose. And that's not really fun. Um, so I see that a lot where clients are like, yeah, actually, I love where I'm at right now. I love the food freedom I have. I love how strong I am in the gym. And they realize that to get that other five to 10 pounds off, it's going to take even more discipline, less food freedom and less strength in the gym. Well, I think it's crazy how weight focused our society is, how distorted Mm -hmm. people's views are on weight and BMI and body fat percentage. Like you pull 10 people and not a single one is going to get the right body fat percentage or the right BMI or like how much weight someone actually weighs. Like that stuff is so arbitrary. It it just comes down to how you feel. Yeah. I mean, how many people, I mean, I, I always make the joke, like, I'll, I'll never guess how much somebody weighs because, like, I'm the worst at that. Like, I'll have some clients come in and, like, you look at their photos. You're like, all right, like, y- you maybe think they look like they're, like, 150 and they end up being, like, 200. You're like, oh, wow, like, did not look like that. Um, And so everyone holds weight differently as well, just body composition and muscle mass and body fat and all that plays a factor and, you know, your overall look and feel. Not to go down this rabbit hole, but this is why doctors don't make the best nutrition coaches. Um, I had a, a client. um go to her doctor and she was, she's 59 years old, I think six, maybe 61. Sorry. Um, and she was like seven pounds away from her goal weight of where she wanted to be. And he prescribed her, um, a weight loss medication. Like, I'm like, are you serious right now? Like, but because she was overweight that that's why according to her BMI. And isn't like, that the one that got like kicked back? Oh, I'm sure. I, but isn't that the one that like, he didn't even like tell her like she just like no, walked out and yeah, saw she the just prescription in out. her hand yeah and saw it just like on on the form ozempic just prescribed her ozempic but it's like like i don't think they understand what that is doing to their confidence it, like she was mm-hmm. pissed she was like what the heck like i i feel like i'm doing so good i'm so close and here is this doctor saying like no you're not doing enough like that's poor coaching that's what that's what gives people a poor relationship with the scale, poor relationship with food and all of those kind of things. I will die on that hill. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> Stay before in your go, lane. <laughs> before we go down that rabbit hole too much further, let's go ahead and go to the next question here. <laughs> I can sense the tornado coming in the background. Um, so number five, Stacey asked, I know everyone's different, but when your body is shifting and redefining itself, um, and I'm assuming you mean by like losing weight and just like body composition wise, what's the average amount of time before you, you see the scale start moving downward again? And how do you know if it's redefining itself or you know, body composition wise or entering metabolic adaptation? Um, Chris, I feel like I, this I know, context. Yeah, exactly. And Chris, I know you kind of started to 
kind of talk a little more about that before we hit record here. Do you want to kind of dive into that a little bit? Yeah, in context with Stacy, like she's ran through our um, like gut health reboot program where we look at dive into her food sensitivities. Um, so we started off in this elimination plan with her and she was losing a half pound to a pound per day of inflammation. Um, I'm not, not saying it's fat. all right. Like <laughs> there's a mixture, um, but a yes. small percentage of body fat that's actually being lost when someone's losing a half pound to a pound per day. And she's had amazing results. Like kudos to Stacy for sticking this out. She's been a trooper. Um, this is not a fun uh, plan to be on, but it is necessary for some clients. And um, I think what I've seen from experience with a lot of clients that have gone through this is we get to a certain point where they're losing a half pound. And sometimes this is like literally 30 days straight of losing a pound to a half pound of weight that we've seen. And then eventually like the inflammation just subsides, like it just goes away and weight loss kind of slows down. And then especially because we're at that point where we're starting to reintroduce some foods and we're testing different things that might be causing slight inflammation. But like ultimately, it is going to slow down. That's not realistic. And I also think there's a trigger here that we really didn't talk about is like you almost created that expectation, right? So every time she got on the scale for 30 days, the scale was dropping for a half pound. And now she's like it maybe a week, two weeks. And it's like, oh, man, like I'm only down like a half pound this week. Like what is going on? Is there something wrong with me? Like, you know, you almost create that expectation. What's that? Mm -hmm. I said, and and, but that's normal, like in in the long run. But like you said, it's you've reshifted your expectations of what weight loss should look like. Yeah, and exactly what you said, like half pound to a pound, that's normal weight loss. That's sustainable weight loss. Um, so I, I feel like there's very little, there's a chance it's metabolic adaptation. Um, that's a real thing. But I think right now, like you continue through the plan as far as answering the question, you f- follow the reintroduction plan because to me, this isn't about weight loss is a byproduct of the elimination plan. Like mm-hmm. this isn't the actual goal. We're teaching you how to eat like the foods that are going to fuel you the best for the rest of your life. Weight loss is not like the actual um, number one priority. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the thing that I, I'll touch on, uh, you guys kind of touched on a lot there, um, is the am I entering metabolic adaptation? Um, I, I think that's such a scapegoat word for so many people to point and say, yep, that's metabolic adaptation. You need to do X, Y, and Z. You're broken kind of thing. Uh, for people that don't know what they're doing, uh, metabolic adaptation is something that literally is physiologically impossible to not have happen, but it doesn't mean that you can't lose weight. Anytime you go through a weight loss plan, anytime you change your body composition, you're having some sort of metabolic adaptation. And that can adapt upward and it can adapt downward. Um, So metabolic adaptation is a really scary word that a lot of people use to be like, oh, well, you can't lose weight because of metabolic adaptation. But again, metabolic adaptation is something that is 100% normal. Yes, can it make it a little bit harder to lose weight for sure? But I think most of that comes down to people thinking of, well, I should be losing weight doing X, Y, and Z instead of responding to what's actually happening in front of them. And if you're responding to what's actually happening in front of you, well, you can continue to lose weight. But if you're stuck in the, well, this should be happening because of this, um, because of all these arbitrary reasons, well, then yeah, metabolic adaptation is going to stop you from losing weight, but not because of metabolic adaptation itself. Yep, exactly. I wanted to touch on too regarding metabolic adaptation is I had a 
I have a I have a great coach on my team. Um, you might know him, Chase Smith. Um, and he came up with this term, so I got to give him uh, kudos for that. It's metabolic consistency. Maybe someone else created this as well, but he I first heard it from him, and I was like, "Ooh, I love that," because I feel like that's mostly what people need. Is this like they say they're under eating, they're metabolically adapted, but ultimately you're eating 1,200 calories, and then on the weekend you're eating 3,000, and it's like. Hey, if we just had you at 1700 for seven days a week, you'd still, you'd see way better results. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people will say, oh, I'm metabolically adapted. I'm eating 1200 calories, not losing weight. But in reality that we find that not to be true in a lot of cases. Yeah, I think that's a great quote. Not a huge fan of the, the Chase Smith guy, but great quote. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'll just see myself out in this call here. <laughs> Go start my own podcast. <laughs> what are you going to name it? Uh, I'm, I'm taking it with me. <laughs> um, all right. Next, we have a couple really good questions. Chris, what's number six? Six uh, is from Dawn. What is the best, most reliable at-home scale? Chase, what do you think on that one? So again, this is one of those stories. Like, I don't want to overthink it too much, but also, I, I will say, if I had to choose like a digital scale, definitely like not rather than like the older style with like the needle. Uh, if that you know, if you guys want, like the one that spins and has the needle, I just feel like it's harder to get like a very accurate reading because it's like, you know, with the digital scale, you get like you know the, like the decimal points and things like that where you're not trying to like read like is this like a half or is that like a pound or like. Where is it on that scale? So it's like, I think digital scales are a lot more accurate. One thing I will say, one little tip, and I, I think I told you, we were talking about this, Chris, one point in time. Uh, if you're somebody who like picks up your scale and like moves it, like I, I put mine like beside my bathroom um, cabinet and I just set it on the floor, like in the middle of the floor every morning when I weigh myself, tap the scale with your foot, let it turn on and it actually recalibrates itself. Because like when I first tap it, it'll say like 4.1 pounds. And then if you give it a second, then it goes down to zero. So it recalibrates itself. Then you step on the scale. I think a lot of people will get inaccurate readings because they just hop on the scale right away. And it's now giving them, the, you know, that pound to four pounds, possibly even that you're not even taking into consideration. So make sure recalibrating every time, if, especially if you're somebody who moves it. But regardless, I think it's a great practice every time you're getting on the scale. Yeah, I'd say other than digital, the one that you can afford and consistently step on in the same spot under the same circumstances. I think that even more than the scale itself is something that people mess up. It's like, well, I weighed myself at 3 p.m. or I weighed myself at 6 a.m. Like, of course, you're going to get different readings there. Um, So weighing, um, no, this isn't really the question, but like weigh under the same circumstances at the same time every single time so you can try to get as much of an accurate reading as possible other than that the one you can afford and consistently step on yeah yeah and i got nothing and, you guys covered yeah it. <laughs> i mean and just just adding to what revan said like when he said like first time same circumstances like specifying like after you use the bathroom before you eat or drink anything every single morning around the same time or at least when you first get up in the morning yeah cool revan what's the last one we'll wrap up with that one Another Dawn question. I know protein from food sources preferred and ideal, but sometimes shakes and bars are necessary for busy days. Any faves? So go ahead, Chris. Were you saying something? Oh, no. I was going to say, I think it's a great question and we can definitely supplement some shakes and bars. My my goal as a coach is to get my clients to a point where they're eating 80% whole foods that like one shake a day, one bar a day. 
Um, I don't suggest doing anything more than that because you're, you know, you're going to struggle with protein later on. If you don't have those shakes available, if you don't have those bars available to you, I think it's very important to like learn how to hit your protein goal with whole foods. Um, faves. I, I like the quest bars, um, the chocolate chip one, you know, I break some up and put it in my ice cream on, to be honest. Um, and, um, I will, I, I'm, I'm not a big shake person. I'd rather have a bar. I, I love Snickers. So I'm like anything remotely close to that I'm good with. Um, but I've been on the MedRx train, which is a very high calorie. So like I'll eat those before my workouts where it's like, I think it's like 490 calories in the, um, Oreo. It's like the, the cookies and cream one. Um, but it has like a, it has like a cake frosting on it. And that's like, I can't turn this down. So <laughs> I, so as far as shakes go, I, I also agree. I'm not a huge fan of shakes. I used to drink one every day, like religiously, uh, slam it after the workout, you know, like that metabolic window or anabolic window. I mean, um, <laughs> but I, if I do, it's usually dimatized ISO 100. I like that one. Um, the fudge brownie is good. Um, also the fruity pebbles is also really good. Um, or I'll get the pre-made premier protein or the fair life. Those are my favorite shakes. Um, bars. I like the one bars, especially like the maple glazed donut. That one's really good. And the s'mores one of that brand. And then another one that is kind of higher calorie that I've really like, and they actually came out with a new like cookie bar rather than like the, um, the, like the protein bars themselves is the Robert Irvine brand. Um, what is it? Is it fit? Fit Crunch or something, uh-huh. something like yeah. that. But anyway, it's Robert Irvine, I know. Um, but he has these, they're now like loaded cookie bars. Um, I just found like, it's more so like if I want something a little bit sweeter, but I want to get, if I'm shorter on protein for the day, I'll have it. But they're like 330 calories for like 20 grams of protein. So they're not like great, but they taste really, really good. So I ate them more for like the taste to get some protein, but not like, hey, this is a great protein source kind of thing. I like yeah, your... I'm definitely, what was that? I was going to say, I like your rule of thumb, though, Chase. Um, I've actually never heard that before. I never heard it before. I don't know where you got it from. But, like, you know, you take the protein times 10 and mm-hmm. it, like, it really accumulates to the calories. Or that That's a good protein. The MetaRx does not meet that standard. Um, but, like, I, I do like that. I think that's important because a lot of people go to a protein bar and it's, like, 12 grams of protein and 300 and something calories. And I'm like, no, that's not a good protein source. So. No. Yeah, I'm not a huge protein bar or shake person. I 100% prefer to eat my food. Yeah, um, I would rather just have like a candy bar if I really want one. Um, <laughs> and I will say the Bear Bells Cookies and Cream is a is a really mm-hmm. good one um, that I've liked. I've never tried any of their other flavors, but I like those. Um, out of convenience, just because it's at the gym that I go to and train people at, um, the MRE bars are decent. Actually, um, I will say it's not a protein bar necessarily. It's a protein uh, like pop tart uh the legendary yeah i tried dude if you microwave those for 15 seconds they're so good and they're only 180 calories for like uh i think it's still like only like 15 grams of protein or something like that but they're really good they actually make a a cinnamon roll now as well that's really good too oh really okay uh (laughs) i i will say i am not necessarily a bar but i am a big fan of the quest chips i love the crunch and their flavors are so freaking good the loaded um, taco. Yeah, I had tried the ranch ones yesterday. Uh, very Midwestern of me, uh, but they were really, really good. Uh, <laughs> so I, I like those. I like anything Quest for the most part. As far as like 
shakes. I'm I'm not a big protein like powder person. I just I don't know why. It just I, I don't like it that much. I uh, mix it with stuff like like almost like Greek yogurt. Like that's the only time I really will see. Have even it. then, like the the one that you like, the fruity pebbles one, makes me want to throw up when I eat it with Greek yogurt. I do not <laughs> like it. I don't know why. Uh, but I do like the the Fair Life, the MRE, and the Lean Body shakes. Those are all pretty decent. I think the Lean Body shakes are like forty two grams of protein for like two hundred in some calories. Like they're pretty solid. Nice protein bars are so dang expensive it's yeah, like four dollars for a protein bar uh you know and i'm like a can of tuna is 74 cents at aldi like dude and i, I would were... rather eat a can of tuna and a reese's than just eat like a shitty protein bar right yeah. i'm gonna open a gym and just sell tuna cans <laughs> out of there for people did you just get the little the little tuna packs that are already yeah. pre-flavored Bin- those are so good stinkiest <laughs> gym ever with some quest chips in there it's like what is that oh. uh the taco thing they put the in the bag of taco. Chip. Oh, yeah, oh I'm gonna make it. We're on. To, we're on to something, guys. <laughs> a million dollar I, idea. We're retiring. <laughs> make sure you buy enough air freshener for that place. <laughs> Everyone walking around with their walking tuna packet. <laughs> yeah, but it's gonna be such a jack gym. Right. <laughs> everyone's hitting their protein goals today. And everyone can afford a hundred and fifty dollar membership because they're eating tuna. <laughs> oh gosh. All right, guys. Well, on that note, we're gonna wrap this episode up with the coaches round table. Um, keep the questions coming because we actually got through all the questions that we had. So um keep the questions coming. We'd love to answer them for you guys, and we will see you guys on the next episode. See ya. See you guys. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I greatly appreciate you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can help me by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps me become more visible to others. Also, share this episode with friends or family and take a screenshot of the episode and upload it to your stories. Be sure to tag me and my guests so we can be sure to say thank you. If you ever have any questions or feedback about something covered on the show, you're always welcome to send me a message. You can find me on Instagram, at changing underscore chase. Have a great day, guys. And remember, you matter.